What goes on? This is the What Goes On Podcast, Episode 5. My name is Corey. Thank you for tuning in. I am recording this from an undisclosed location on Fox Point, Providence, Rhode Island, on a damp, dank Wednesday afternoon, December 29th, 2021. If you'd like to get in touch, email me, whatgoesonline at gmail.com, and follow me at whatgoesonline on twitter i haven't posted a podcast in a couple weeks due to the fact that i got the virus yes folks i had the covid virus and i didn't get a mild version i'd call it a medium version and as i speak to you now i am mostly fully recovered still got a little bit of a nasal thing going on and i'm still feeling a little run down from time to time and folks i was vaccinated hadn't gotten my booster was two days away from my booster So I do think I got it a little harder than if I had been boosted. So I hope you haven't been missing me too much. And unfortunately, the virus has also struck our beloved NCAA basketball season. Last Wednesday's game, Georgetown at Providence, was forfeited to Providence, then completely eliminated from the schedule in the record books, and now they're trying to reschedule it, so been some up and downs with that. And even today's game versus Seton Hall at the Dunkin' Donuts Center has some COVID question marks behind it. I'll detail those later on. At the time of this recording, the Friars are 11-1 and ranked 21st in the AP and coaches polls and 49th on Ken Palm. Get with it, Ken Palm. The Friars recently beat Central Connecticut and UConn and have that Georgetown game kind of floating in the ether there. They have an upcoming home game against Seton Hall and two road games coming up versus DePaul and Marquette. But in order to catch up with what's really been going on, I'm going to go back more than three weeks ago to a great concert I saw in Providence. It may have been my last concert for a while, the way things are going, and if it was the last one, that's okay with me. This program was made possible by listeners like you and Schlub Academy. Are you trying to get hired at one of the recently opened schlub stores in town well come to schlub academy schlub academy is run by a group of professors who have studied the art of the schlub and have developed a curriculum in order to teach others how to be true schlubs there are certain sweatpants that you should wear to be a true schlub and something like sweatpants 101 taught by professor Corey McSchlub will really enhance your prospects at getting a job at one of the Schlub stores in town. Schlub Academy. Let's get back to the show. So I'm going all the way back to December 6th when I saw the mighty Rosalie at FET opening for His Golden Messenger. I first came across Rosalie when I saw the band Long Hots, band that Rosalie's a member of, and I saw them supporting Hurling Hiss in Greenfield, Mass. Oh, a few years back, January of 2018, nearly four years ago. Where does the time go? Long Hots have a really great single out on Third Man Records. What do they sound like? I'm having trouble articulating it. 
maybe a kraut rockier version of the velvet underground's third record maybe the coolest band that care records ever could have put out anyways check it out long hots that's where i first heard rosalie and earlier this year she released another album called the direction we know under the title monocot that record was released on feeding tube back in July, and on that record, Rosalie played with Jason Garretts on drums, Rosalie on guitar. Jason Garretts is most well-known for drumming in the band Cloud Nothings, and the two of them put together one of the year's best records, maybe my favorite, snarling, swirling, fuzzy guitar, squalling, maelstrom, masterpiece, eat your heart out, Neil Young kind of stuff. I also hear groups like Sonic Youth, bands in the Japanese psych kind of realm, I also hear some overlap in a lot of Philly groups like Perling Hiss, Birds of Maya, Space In, and of course you hear some of Velvet Underground in there, folks. You can't get away from that. You also can't get away from that sweet, sweet Philly fuzzy guitar sound. So that brings us to a few Mondays back, Rosalie supporting Hiss Golden Messenger, December 6, 2021, at FET Music Hall, Providence, Rhode Island. For those who aren't from around here, FET is in the Onlyville section of Providence and around the corner from the infamous Onlyville New York System restaurant. So inside of FET, it's kind of your run-of-the-mill, passable, medium-sized venue, really unfortunately positioned pole in the middle, kind of like the Paradise in Boston. Reminds me of the Met as well in Pawtucket and Pearl Street upstairs in Northampton. If you've ever been to one of those venues, you might catch my drift. And I've seen other bands there like Parquet Courts and Built to Spill. So this show had a comparable audience size, I suppose. And Rosalie has been on tour in support of yet another really great record called No Medium. Rosalie had recorded under just her name, Rosalie, for this one. And she recorded with members of the David Nance group, Omaha, Nebraska's finest rock and roll group. And simply put, this record does rock put out by Spinster Records back in May, and it, it kind of slipped by me. So somehow days before, somewhere on social media, I caught that Rosalie was playing at FET. I checked out the record, was blown away, so I got to see her play that Monday night. And I almost didn't quite make it. I was moving in slow motion, barely had anything in me to get out there that Monday night, but I made it out. Little did I know this might be my last show I see for a while. So I got there, Rosalie was getting set up, so I made it just in the nick of time. Also getting set up was Emily Robb, who Rosalie was touring with. So they were touring again in support of this album Rosalie put out in May, No Medium. So the duo tackled these songs from No Medium, and Emily Robb is another excellent guitar player. Basically, Rosalie and Emily were both playing guitar, ripping it apart. Emily Robb has her own record out this year just dropped on Petty Bunko, and that one's really good too. It's called How to Moonwalk, and Emily Robb has her own kind of brand of guitar ripping, and she's also involved in the Philly music scene, as is Rosalie. Really love a lot of the music coming out of there. And at this show, Rosalie and Emily, guitar duo here, just ripped through all the hits from No Medium, probably played every song, if I'm not mistaken, most of them at least. And No Medium has this heavy, noisy, kind of crazy horse guitar mecca to it. And a couple of the songs that really stand out to me are the second track, Bones, the third track, Pour Over Ice. Pour Over Ice, as Rosalie explained at the show, is about her battles with alcoholism. 
Truly, I wish I had made more notes of the set list. They played a couple songs that aren't on No Medium, but I was just too busy enjoying myself. And really, all the songs from No Medium are bangers and hits as far as I'm concerned. Really, really love that album. Another one of the best of the year. Really check that out, folks. And as guitar duos go, I doubt there are any out there that can quite live up to the beauty, majesty, straight-up rocking guitar chops of Rosalie and Emily Robb. It was quite lovely hearing the songs from No Medium played with such warmth and vulnerability. Playing without a drummer or a supporting band was certainly a bold move, really putting themselves out there. And they might have played with His Golden Messenger later on, but I kind of split because uh, the Patriots were playing the Bills and I had to go check that out. So if they played with His Golden Messenger, I hope it rocked out too. I even kind of like his golden messenger but that was such a big patriots game i had to go check that out so maybe that was my last opportunity to see a band for a long time if it was rosalie and emily i'm cool with that what goes on what goes on on the following Saturday after the Rosalie performance on December 11th, 2021, the Providence College basketball team, the men's Friars, played the Central Connecticut Blue Devils at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. At the time, the Friars were 10-1, and they improved to 11-1 in a very easy victory over the Central Connecticut Blue Devils, 68-53. Friars were dominant throughout most of the game. In the last 10 minutes or so, they were up by... 30 and their focus kind of sagged a little and the Blue Devils made a little run cutting the lead to 15 and final again was 68-53. Really the biggest news of the game was the Dunkin' Donuts security letting my section continue to put up threes behind us. Much like how at Fenway they put up K's when pitchers strike people out up in the back and the bleachers, yes, our friends of the podcast in section 234 have Started a new tradition at the dunk, hanging threes anytime a friar hits one. So shout out to my buddy Mike and my brother Kyle for coming up with that genius idea. I cannot give any credit, however, I have embraced it and, you know, contributed as well. However, during the game versus Vermont, the previous game, an overzealous Dunkin' Donuts security guard asked us to take the threes down. Yes, we were stunned by it too, folks. They really didn't give us a good reason for not letting us put the threes up, so... We complied during that game, and the next day our buddy Mike, our correspondent here, wrote an email to security, which I will read here, and shout out to our correspondent Mike for writing such a logical, polite email. And that's right, folks, he got the security to allow us to put the threes back up. This is Mike's email that he sent to security. This is why America, sometimes, folks, is a great land. There is justice. So this was headlined, Disappointed Friar fans in section 234. Hi, Dunkin' Donuts team, DDC. I have been a season ticket holder for the PC Friars for the past four seasons in section 234, row N, and we have quite the season ticket holder family that sits up in that section as well. For the last four games, I have been bringing three signs to hang up when the Friars complete a three-point basket in the game. This started because of the promotion, or if the Friars hit seven three-pointers in one game, the RI Lottery gives out some scratch tickets. We thought it would be a lot of fun to hang them in the same fashion as you would see the Ks hung up on the green monster at Fenway Park, pictured below. With 14 minutes left in the game in the second half against Vermont, security came up to us 
He told us that the problem was we were covering the Section 234 sign. That may be confusing for people trying to locate the section. We immediately complied and moved the signs further down away from the Section 234 marker. At that point, security returned and changed their reasoning and said we had gotten away with it the previous three games, but were not allowed to hang anything at all. The change of reasoning and the fact we had done it for three games already left us feeling extremely attacked with a very sour taste in our mouth. Number one, protocols were clear. Why did it take over three and a half games to let us know that we were out of compliance and hanging the signs? Number two, protocols were clear. Why did security initially say it was the blocking of section 234, not the no hanging of anything rule? I would like to add that the signs left zero damage whatsoever and I personally made sure everything was cleaned up after each game it was done. Signs, especially in the back row of arenas, are a sports tradition and I'm not sure why DDC, Dunkin' Donuts, Security has chosen to draw what seems to be an arbitrary line to prohibit avid season ticket holders from supporting your tenant and our team. I'm writing this note to let you know how disappointed I was last night. The section is not happy. No, a lot of people went to Twitter immediately. I'm asking you for reconsidering. The signs be hung. And yes, folks, merely an hour later, Mike did hear from the Dunkin' Donuts security when we were allowed to put up those threes again. And of course, the Friars only hit six versus Central Connecticut, did not get to the seven for the lottery win, so we'll see how many we get tonight versus Seton Hall. Against Central Connecticut, the Friars, again, big-time winners. Our Alpha Diallo Dirt Dog Award winner was Justin Manaya from South Carolina, who was starting in place of the still-injured Jared Bynum. Manaya had 14 points, 6 of 6 from the field, 2 for 2 from 3, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 2 turnovers, and 0 for 1 from the line. That was Manaya's second Dirt Dog Award win. He's joining Nasty Nate Watson, who has 2, Noah Horkler, who has 3, Big Ed Croswell has 1, Al Durham with 2, Jared Bynum with 2, and Bryson Goodine with 1. And the MVP of this game was A.J. Reeves, winning his second MVP award in a row. He's been on fire. Reeves scored 17 points, went 7 for 17 from the field, 3 for 9 from 3, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 block, and only 1 turnover. Big things. For this Friars squad, if A.J. Reeves continues to shoot well, I'm going to nominate tonight, we nickname our corner, A.J. Three's Corner. We'll see if the committee of Section 234 approve or decline my nomination. I'll keep you posted, folks. And at the beginning of the season, A.J. Reeves had been disappointing. He'd been very cold with his shooting, but he's starting to heat up. And that's good, because our boy Noah Horkler has been kind of cold of late. He... Did chip in 12 points against Central Connecticut, but on 5 of 12 shooting, 1 for 4 from 3, 3 turnovers, 1 from 2 from the line. Maybe defenses are zeroing in more on Noah Horkler, but he's been slipping a little bit. Again, that was AJ Reeves' second MVP in a row, joining Croswell with 1, Horkler with 1, Watson with 3, Red Panda with 1, Andrew Fonts with 1, and Al Durham with 2. A couple other notes from the game. I'm going to give a shout out to our announcers from the game, John Fanta and Donnie Marshall. Donnie Marshall, in this broadcast, a UConn alum admitted the dunk was the hardest place to play in the Big East. Shout out Donnie Marshall, spitting the truth. Because the Friars have the best fans. The loudest fans. The most obnoxious fans. Take this as a compliment. And shout out to John Fanta, who knew when the Friars won free Chick-fil-A again at the 1530 mark. John Fanta knew. Unlike last game when Bill Rafferty was blown away, did not know why people were going crazy about two missed free throws in a row in the second half getting free Chick-fil-A. John Fanta knew. And shout out to the dunk. 
Not only letting us put our threes up, but having the best damn crowd participation gimmick in all of sports, and that's according to me. This episode is brought to you by Schlubs on Ice. Schlubs on Ice performing at the Bank Newport City Center, Kennedy Plaza, Providence, Schlubs on Ice. Come see all the moves that the Schlubs can bust out on the ice. Schlubs on Ice. Tickets starting as low as $39.99. Schlubs on Ice. January 21st, 2021. Schlubs on Ice. That brings us to one of the biggest games this season's had. And we've already had a couple pretty big ones. The Texas Tech win comes to mind. Probably on the equal level here. This point in the season, coming against UConn, the Friars are 10-1. and But did this really good record equate to a really good team? People were asking this. I knew the answer was yes. You in the audience of this podcast, you knew the answer was yes. But this victory over UConn finally made... More people pay attention, give Providence the respect they deserve. Coming into this game, UConn was ranked 20th by the AP, 22nd by the coaches poll. PC was unranked, but had received 57 votes from the AP, 41 from the coaches poll. The Friars were starting to make some noise. They were knocking on the door for a national ranking. And if you're not understanding what all the rankings are all about, if you're new to this, the better the ranking the Friars have, better chances they make it to the NCAA tournament. And for this squad, we're not even just trying to get in. We want to have a good seed here, make a run to the Final Four, as I predicted in the very first podcast. So before the game, injuries were really playing a major role. UConn had Adama Sanoga out, Tyrese Martin coming back, but his wrist was all bandaged up. Seemed like he wasn't 100%. The Friars had Jared Bynum as an injury question mark on Twitter before the game. It was reported he was warming up with the team. But at the beginning of the game, on the broadcast, it was reported that Bynum was out. Remember, folks, this game was on the road. And as they mentioned on the broadcast, from PC to UConn, it was 50 miles. And I was actually supposed to go to this, but they played in Hartford. UConn plays their home games in Hartford, not on campus. I was supposed to go to this. Got COVID. Wish I had been able to go to this. It seemed like it was going to be really fun. So the Friars did have the odds stacked against them on the road. First Big East game. 7.5 point underdogs missing their starting point guard and they did come out a little flat at the start of the game down nine to five and about 14 minutes left in the first half who comes off the bench what do you know it jared bynum so i don't know if twitter had it right the broadcast had it wrong maybe cooley was playing some games i don't know but Bynum comes in pc now nine to five 14 minutes left the friars really never looked back Jared Bynum, Ed Croswell coming in off the bench really helped the Friars turn things around. And with about three minutes left, UConn had gone up 21-20. And the last three minutes of the first half, the Friars went on an 11-1 run. A.J. Reeves hit two threes in a row. Croswell had some big rebounds, had some dunks, hit a free throw. They were up 31-22 by the half. And when they came out of halftime, they continued with that momentum, and they were straight up on fire. They brought it to a comfortable 15-point lead. Most of the second half, they were up big. Coming out of the second half, they were led by Nate Watson. Six points in a row, put them up 37-24. They were up 16 with 10 to play. They were up 48-32. And I gotta hand it to UConn. They made a nice, desperate run. They brought within two with 148 to go. And Al Durham, who kind of played sloppy all game, he stepped it up and made a weak side, right-handed, hard-driving layup. He's a lefty going right. 
put the Friars up 57-53 with 45 seconds to go, really making up for... And Al had thrown a wild elbow a few plays before that, gave UConn a little gift of some free throws, flagrant foul call, whatever. He made up for it. So shout out Al Durham, making the biggest play of the game. Giving Jared Bynum, though, the Alpha Diallo Dirt Dog Award. That is his third time winning this award. And that ties him in the lead with Noah Horkler with three, Manaya with two, Watson with two, Croswell with one, Durham with two, Goodine with one. So Bynum, our Dirt Dog Award winner, returning from injury, providing a huge spark off the bench. Nine points, felt like all nine of them. Really clutch moment, six boards, one assist, two steals, no turnovers. Four for nine from the field. One for three from three, but I think that three was really huge. So Bynum is our Dirt Dog Award winner. And our third MVP in a row, A.J. Reeves, tying Nate Watson for three MVPs. Led the team in points with 16, three assists, one rebound, one steal, zero turnovers, four for eight from three, two for two from the line, five for 12 from the field. And folks, A.J. Reeves could have gone to UConn. He chose PC. He was a huge difference maker. A.J. Reeves is third MVP, joining Croswell with one, Horkler with one, as I said, Watson with three, Red Panda with one, Andrew Fonts with one, Al Durham with two. I also want to shout out Ed Croswell with 11 points, four rebounds off the bench. Really big key. I was calling him the X Factor to my UConn friends. They just don't know the X Factor. That is Ed Croswell. And the overall advantage the Friars had, they had six steals to UConn's one. Although UConn had six blocks to PC's one, just seemed like the Friars took more higher percentage shots. UConn was 8 for 29 for 28% from three, where PC was 5 for 15 from three for 33%, a little more efficient. And overall, they shot 40% from the field, where UConn only shot 31%. So was it the Friars taking higher percentage shots? Better shots? Were the Friars playing better defense? Was the big factor Adama Sanogo was out? Either way, whatever you want to say, first Big East win for the Friars. Let's go 57 53 winners. What goes on in your heart? What goes on in your mind? What goes on? Overall, it seems like the Friars are one of the best teams in the Big East. Compared to last year, they're tougher, bigger, deeper. Defensively, as good as they've been in the past few years. I think offensively, they have a more dynamic squad. For example, against UConn, I kind of like RJ Cole. I like Tyrese Martin, but they don't really seem like they have too much else besides that. I do think UConn's one of the better teams in the Big East, despite my bias, despite the rivalry. But they're kind of one-dimensional offensively, like PC teams of the past. Seen this before. I think the Friars are a little more well-rounded. Other good teams in the Big East include Villanova. Depend a lot on the three, though. Live and die by the three. Creighton looked pretty great in their home win versus Villanova, but they also depend a lot on the three, and they're always kind of soft. Xavier, who were pretty tough, had been playing pretty great until they choked away a potential win at Villanova. Again, Villanova started finally hitting threes, so... Don't really know what to make of them. They've had some losses, though. Thought Butler looked really awful when I saw them play. Georgetown and St. John's looks eh. And I might be biased, but PC looked like the most well-rounded team in the Big East. First place finish is not out of the question. That's where they are now. Hopefully that's where they're going to stay. Six wins in a row coming into this next game versus Seton Hall.
And yes, folks, after this victory at UConn, PC are now ranked. And UConn are no longer ranked. This program is made possible by Schlub Security. Schlub Security. Working now at high-end gutters. Always dreamt of working a security guard job. Well, now it's your chance to work Schlub Security at high-end gutters. The best bowling alley hookah bar around. You want to work VIP? Well, look no other than Schlub Security at High End Gutters. Tonight, Friars are playing against Seton Hall. Seton Hall are ranked 15th by the AP. And PC was ranked 22nd last week. They haven't played a game, and they went up one more to 21st. Seton Hall are ranked 29th by Ken Palm, and PC are ranked 49th by Ken Palm. Ken Palm metrics... Do not like the Friars. This program is made possible by listeners like you and the Ed Cooley no coat counter up to 12. He's not worn any jackets or any coats, only athletic sweater vests. So the athletic spiffy sweater vest count is up to 12 here on what goes on. Notes from the nosebleeds number five. So thanks for listening. My name is Corey. This is the what goes on podcast episode five. Notes from the Nosebleeds, episode 5. If you'd like to contact me, I'm at WhatGoesOnline on Twitter and WhatGoesOnline at gmail.com. Normalization, process reality, immunization of what goes on. What goes on, huh?